Welcome to another edition of First Word from First Church. This is Pastor Dave Buchanan at the First Church in Sutton. Please enjoy the message and may God bless you richly through it. Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of John, chapter 4, verses 5 through 42. So Jesus came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the women's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, 
for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Thanks be to God for his holy word. It's an interesting one. There's some beautiful hymnody written about Jesus. We, we sang one on Communion Sunday, Fill My Cup, Lord. It starts off, Like the woman at the well I was seeking for things that do not satisfy. Jesus offered living water from which a person would never be thirsty. You heard me intimate it to the kids a little bit. Now, it bears telling, well, what a simple, simple little paragraph, little sentence, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. You got no idea from that sentence. About five centuries earlier, Samaria had been overrun, as had Jerusalem by different empires. And we know that the leadership in Jerusalem was hauled off to Babylon, but the the farmers and the people of the land who stayed in Jerusalem stayed steadfastly and stubbornly Jewish, and that means they, they believed in ethnic purity. They didn't marry outside the clans. You might marry from another tribe, but not outside the tribes of Israel. Because that way you get into the family people who don't believe. And we saw many times over the centuries when royalty did that in, in, in Israel, how the people strayed because of the leadership having spouses from away, as we'd say in Maine, who didn't believe the same. Well, the Samaritans had been overrun by, the, by a Amorite, one of the empires that overran that part of the world. There's so many of them after a while, it, kind of like history, I lose track of who invaded whom when. But what they did when they took away the natives, the native leadership, they brought in people from five different nations and kind of seeded the population with all these other foreigners. The Cutheans was a name that got applied to the, the poor Samaritans by the people in Jerusalem for, for centuries. Remember, this is 450 years before Jesus, and the Samaritans shrugged and said, well, if these are our neighbors now, we will intermarry. So the people in Jerusalem declared these poor Samaritans as impure, mixed blood. What horrible terms from our own history that dredges up. Talk about Hatfields and McCoys, Samaritans and Jews are almost less friendly. Talk about a feud going on. The usual route from Jerusalem to go home to Galilee would have taken Jesus six days because he'd had to cross the Jordan, circumnavigate Samaria, cross the Jordan again, and go into Galilee. Six-day trip. It's only three days walk through it. So Jesus took the direct route, and he stops near this city of Sikar. We'll pronounce it. I'm not sure how to say that. Near a well that is there to this day, by the way, Jacob's well that Jacob and his sons dug to water their flocks. And how many years ago would that have been? Long before Samaria became such an outcast from Israel, from the Jews in Jerusalem. So Jacob had dug this well, and it, it's, it bears reminding, this is not an artesian well. Anybody knows about wells? Knows if you get a, a pressurized aquifer underneath, you get a spring. You get pressured water. This is one of those where you dig a hole into the water table and it perks in. Soaks through the soil. You think that's the clearest water available? 
Eh, not really. Living water, by the way, in the language of the day meant running water, a clear stream, usually considered a better source because it's not so, so muddied in the bottom of a 100-foot hole. It's a deep well. really is. So Jesus is already talking to a Samaritan. And these Samaritans, worse than being total strangers, have a common heritage. They are the lost tribes, but they gave up on most of the scriptures. They stopped at the five books of Moses. All the beautiful songs we have in the Psalms, all the messages from the prophets, all the history and chronicles and kings, the, the wisdom of Proverbs, the beauty of the Song of Solomon, all those things. Nope, they didn't have it. They stopped at the five books, the Torah, the law, which has some history in it, but they quit. So to say that, that Jews have no dealings with Samaritans, most Samaritans wouldn't have entertained talking to them, let alone give them a drink of water. Something's already changing here, though. Jesus sat by the well. It was about a half a mile out of Sychar. And his disciples went into the village, went into the town to buy food. His disciples were Jews. They went into a Samaritan village, Samaritan town, to buy food. That would have been unthinkable just a short while before. So maybe the edges are eroding already. These guys are starting to get the hint, maybe. The other thing that was true of the day, too, was a Jewish rabbi would not talk to a woman in public. In some corners of the righteous of Jerusalem, a rabbi wouldn't talk to his sister, wife, or daughter in public because he'd be talking to a woman. There was even a group of the ultra-pious that were called the bruised and bleeding Pharisees. Not from getting into fights. If they saw a woman in the streets, they'd close their eyes and walk into buildings or anything else that got in the way, and you could spot them by the bruises and the scrapes. I'm not, I'm not making this up. Rather than look at a woman in public, they'd walk into a building. Ladies, your beauty has great power and causes great fear in some people for centuries. Thank God we're not that way today. But anyway... So here's a rabbi talking to a woman who's not related to, sort of in public, they're the only ones at the well, and she's a Samaritan. Jesus is really busting the boundaries here, which he had a habit of doing anyway. So he busts the boundaries, talks to the woman. Now, there's something else a little weird here. It says it was the sixth hour. The clock in the Bible, in the New Testament anyway, runs from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. So the sixth hour is high noon. It's kind of a nutty hour to be going to a well to haul water up with a little leather bucket and fill your big water jar and carry it back to a half a mile away. And Sikar probably had a well. So this woman is going at off hours because normally you go in the morning before the heat of the day and I'm sorry, it was a little sexist. The ladies went to get the water. My mom used to tell stories about bringing a bucket from the spring on the coast of Maine, too. The ladies went for the water, so they went before the heat of the day. And they'd gather at the well, and that was the place, well, kind of like the water cooler, 
for stories and matchmaking and a lot of gossip going on at the well. This woman's by herself in the heat of the day a half a mile from town. You think she was considered one of the girls by the rest of the crew? She's exiled herself or been exiled from company. So she's an exile, a woman, and a Samaritan. And Jesus sees into hearts and minds and speaks to her anyway. Would you fetch me a, a drink of water? Who are you asking me? You're even talking to me. Is strange. Now, just like with Nicodemus, he asks for something. She reads it purely in strictly worldly terms like poor Nicodemus did when Jesus said, you got to be born again. And he said, huh? Poor Nicodemus didn't understand. We're talking a higher level here. And he says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying you give me a drink, you'd ask me. And I'd give you living water. I'd give you that running water. Well, this poor lady's still thinking in worldly terms. Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who dug the well to get us any water out here in the middle of nowhere and you're going to offer me a stream? Really? Uh-huh. Now, Jacob gave us the well. Who do you think you are? Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Whoever drinks of the water that I will give will never be thirsty again. I'll give a spring of water that wells up to eternal life. And she's starting to catch on. Sir, give me this water that I will not be thirsty. I have to come out of town at high noon to draw water. And remember, she's missing. This isn't new, by the way. A thirst for God. God offering living water isn't new. Jesus didn't invent this. One of my favorite psalms starts off, and his gorgeous songs is set to tune. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. Starts one of the psalms. Beautiful song set to that, by the way. But the idea of thirsting for God, some kind of a thirsty spot, some kind of a, a, a hole in our spirit that needs a love beyond that which the world can give. There's wondrous love in the world in many different ways. Love that draws two people together. The love that informs a family and parents. The love that we're taught for our parents. And yet, sadly, we see in the world how many ways the world can mess that up. We really can. And as one unerring, unassailable, a reconciled love that can't be taken away. And it's that living water. It's that spirit of life. It's that eternal love in Jesus Christ that nurtures us all the way into the next life. And the woman finally gets the hint and says, sir, give me this water, will you? Now we have Jesus again. We've seen him kind of read thoughts before and since in the gospel stories. He says, well, let's make this a family talk. Go fetch your husband. We'll all talk together. It would be more appropriate as I'm talking to a woman here at the well anyway. Oh, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, I know. 
You've had five husbands, which may be symbolic of those five intermarried nations, but that would be a long historical sidetrack. We won't go there. You do not, you've had five husbands and you got another one now, you haven't even married. Starting to see why she's at the well at high noon out of town. That counted back in those days. <laughs> They'd have said something about it. She says, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. You must be, because I didn't tell you all that. You don't know me. And she said, but our ancestors worshiped on this mountain. They're near Mount Gerizim, where over the years, the Samaritans had built a temple. And the Jews, by the way, invaded and tore it down again. But the, the Samaritans had built a temple on Mount Gerizim in competition with the, the Jewish temple on Mount Zion in Jerusalem. They'd even rewritten scripture to say that Gerizim was the mountain where Abraham offered up Isaac to God. Many different things that had happened on Zion, they rewrote it and said, no, no, happened on our turf, Mount Gerizim. The only one they got right was that Joseph was buried in their turf. When Jacob had deeded some land to Joseph years later, he came back and was buried there. Or they brought him back, I should say. He was buried there. Where do I worship, Lord? You've convicted me. You've shown me a mirror of how badly I need to worship. And worship in the sense of that much sin required sacrifice. Sacrifice had to occur at the temple. And she said, Rabbi, where do I go? My whole family and upbringing is right here at Mount Gerizim. But you come from the temple in Jerusalem. Where do I go to become right with God. He said, the hour is coming, madam, when you won't have to go up Gerizim or up Zion, where those who worship the Father will worship him in spirit and in truth. And I guess the, the parenthetical is wherever he finds you, we will worship him in spirit and truth. And she said, I know Mashiach is coming. In one of the rare direct revelations, Jesus says, I who am speaking to you am the Messiah. I am the Christ. The disciples come back and say, Jesus, what you doing? You're talking to a strange woman in Samaria? What? And they didn't dare say why. They, just, they marveled that he was doing it. And Sure enough, she, she leaves the water jar, she leaves the bucket right there. They get a drink now. By the way, when you travel in that part of the world, you carry a leather bucket and a rope. But the disciples had probably taken it to town shopping with them and left Jesus thirsty. They, they had a little hiccup in the planning. Come out and see. This is the Christ. He told me my whole life. And many people came. She overcame the shame overcame the outcast, and apparently they were astounded enough and enticed enough by the news to come with her and marveled at all the things that the rabbi told them. And they said, lady, our neighbor, no longer just what you said. We've heard him ourselves. This is the savior of the world. How hard can neighbors be to convince that we have the Savior. How likely are we as good New England congregationalists to go share the word anyway? 
Congregational Church only made it as far as eastern Ohio and about, down to about upstate New York because we aren't evangelists. The Baptists and the Methodists grew like crazy. The Episcopalians and the Congregationalists expected it by birth and marriage. We still kind of do, don't we? But part of the thrill of getting the message, of getting the living water, isn't that you hoard it and put it in a bottle from my, my home neck of the woods in Poland Spring. You don't put it in a bottle and put it in a cupboard and hoard it. When you get that kind of living water, like this woman did, she overcame the estrangement from neighbors, went back to the sick car and said, come, here, he speaks to me like a prophet. He strikes my heart like only Mashiach could do. Only the Christ come hear him. And the neighbors came. They heard it. They felt it. Even between Hatfields and McCoys, they got the message from Jesus about a time coming where it doesn't matter if it's Mount Gerizim or Mount Zion, where we worship the Father in spirit and in truth. If we have that living water. It doesn't say she gave Jesus a drink, but I think she did. I hope she did. He certainly gave her a drink. If we have that drink, if we have that living water, let's not be not miserly and keep it in a bottle. Offer neighbors a drink. What do you hear about in that church anyway? Why do you bother to get up on a Sunday morning, especially with the time change? What, 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 what's so important? You got one guy up there who's you know, alleged to be a fairly good talker, but you know, it's always the same stuff. It's always this Jesus guy. Some of the songs are kind of old fashioned, make pretty words, but you know, it's not, not got a heavy beat to it. What, what do you go for? Do you tell them? Do you offer the living water of Jesus Christ? It doesn't solve every immediate problem, but if a person is depressed, lonely, and unloved, do you remind them how loved they really are? That God so loved the world that he even sent a Jewish rabbi to Samaria to talk to an outcast woman, let alone to save the rest of us. Do you share the water at the well? If Jesus gives you a drink, and if you're parched, accept it. If you feel that thirsty spot, don't look to the world to fill it. This poor woman had been looking to the world to fill it, and she had a colorful history because of it. Jesus didn't care. He gave her living water, and she shared it freely. Seek that living water for your dry spot, and then share it with all around us. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen. Thank you for having joined us for First Word from First Church. We pray that God has blessed you in some way, in his way, through the message that we have just shared with you. Please join us again. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance over you and give you peace. Amen. And amen.